everybody. Welcome to the Talking Disney podcast. This is the show where we like to talk about the Disney canon. And now that we're finished reviewing each of the films, we are having on content creators who have ranked the Disney canon and we are talking about their rankings. And it's so much fun. And uh, I, today we have a very special guest, a popular blogger and Twitter <laughs> animated antic is here to talk about his ranking. And thank you so much, Antic, for coming on and talking with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, great to be talking about uh, the many films from Walt Disney Animation Studios. This is yeah. going to be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Stanford's here. Hey, how's it going? And Antic, what a pleasure to have you yeah. on the podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me, Stanford. I am very happy to be here. That was wonderful. Thank you. I'm excited to talk with you. And I'm so excited to find out how you've ranked all these movies. <laughs> yeah, so... Before we dive into the ranking, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about how you became an animation fan. Hello, everybody. So I am uh, Animated Antic. I uh, have the Twitter account of the same name. So basically about six years ago, I had just got out of seeing a handful of animated movies like Zootopia and Finding Dory. And it kind of clicked for me just that an about how great animation was. I mean, I always loved animated movies and shows growing up as a kid. And then being the 16 year old I was, I was just hooked on it. And I wanted to go further down the rabbit hole and learn more about uh, how animated movies and shows were made and like the, how they, how certain movies came to be the way they were. And it just led me on this path to really absolving animation history and getting to experience a lot of amazing, amazing animated content out there. Um, six years later, it's really been crazy. I have met some of the best people of my life, like true and close friends that I would have no idea where I'd be without. I've grown my Twitter following to over 40,000 followers, which still astonishes me. I, I have no idea how that happened. And I've uh, been commonly posting animated movie reviews every Tuesday. Right now, I'm still trying to go through complete catalogs. I'm working on finishing Studio Ghibli's um, filmography. And yeah, I've been having a lot of fun just watching and reviewing animated movies and learning about them. I really like your Twitter feed because it's very positive, which I appreciate. But also, I, I feel like you have interesting details that go a little bit deeper than sort of the surface level. You'll talk about animators, you'll talk about voice actors, things like that, that, uh, that I appreciate. Yeah. I, I feel like animation history is just as important as, you know, the films themselves, like the movies have already left large legacies. And I feel that with every character, you want to learn about how they were brought to life. Like the certain animators who animated certain sequences, the certain actors that, voiced them and brought that certain level of emotion to these characters that made them touch the hearts of audiences so much. Because I feel like with, when you look at the history of a movie, it's often just as fascinating as the film itself. Like how certain elements come together, how they fall into place, how some stuff works, some stuff didn't, what they learned from it, what they didn't learn from it. And I feel like I want to bring that to audiences out there that give them some knowledge about and details on how these came to be and just give them some exposure on just how productive 
the industry is and how these talented people can bring this medium further than it ever has gone before. Yeah, I really like that too. I, that's why I love reading animation art books. I really like getting those sort of details about how they came up with the different designs. And and uh, and I also really enjoy that about like going to D23 and, uh, and hearing all those sort of little details in the panels and things like that. And it's, I think sometimes it can help you to appreciate a flawed film a lot more when you understand sort of the backstory of what they were trying to do or what the studio was, the spot the studio was at, where the world was at at the time, whether it was a war, or, you know, whatever going on. And uh, I know that's Stanford. I know that's something that you really value going to. Those, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I love it. It's like one of my favorite things. So I, you know, appreciate what you both, what you both are saying. Cause I agree. I, history, I think is so important and, and uh, it's just nice to be with, Two people who know a lot of stuff. So thank you. <laughs> thank you both. <laughs> so, Anthony, so you finished reviewing the Disney canon last year, right? You're saying in September? Yeah, yeah. I finally, finally saw all 60 of them by September of last year. Like, I think the last few I had to get through were just the ones that were part of the post-Renaissance era, like the ones that you hear things about and you're like, oh, I don't want to get to them. And you watch them and you yeah. like okay i've co okay so that way i'm like you survived okay, I've, seen it. <laughs> I've seen it yeah like yeah. i've seen it i got what it's like okay now now i can officially say i've seen them all antic what was your process did you watch so you watched them just kind of like as you could or as you did it wasn't necessarily in chronological order or in some other sort of structured uh you know order yeah it, it was mainly watching them just out of order um, sometimes I do get to watch them in chronological order because it is fascinating when you see how the techniques grow or shrink over time. Yeah. And, but yeah, mainly it's been just watching them out of order and you can just jump and the, even just jumping from movie to movie, like going from the film in the fifties to the film in the nineties or a movie in the eighties to a movie in the sixties, you can definitely yeah. see how they are very different and what techniques were kept, what were dropped, what went right, what went wrong. It, it's, it's very interesting because there's a lot of very diverse animated studios out there and Disney is easily one of the most diverse because when you're, I mean, when you're a studio that's over almost a hundred years old, you're obviously going to have a lot of different art that's put out. Yeah, even in popular eras like the Renaissance era, there's quite a bit of diversity as, as far as tone and style. Yeah, and, style, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, everything from Hunchback to Hercules to uh, to Tarzan. I mean, it's quite a variety. I, I think maybe we think the Mencken Ashman ones are somewhat similar in tone and style, but uh, when you take the whole era, there's really quite a bit of diversity. I mean, and, and Alan Mencken, he... I don't know how he does it, but he manages to be able to write for so many different, so many different genres. That's pretty impressive. Oh yes. Very, very. Yeah. 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 I, they did, a, I think two D 23s ago. So 2017, he did a whole concert at D 23 and he, it was funny when he got up to, he was going through the course of his catalog basically and uh, he even did a, a song from, he played the music for a song from the, that sausage party or whatever. 
Oh yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but it was funny when he got up to home on the range, he was just like, they told me it was about cows. <laughs> <laughs> oh Did you get God. to see that concert, Stanford? I wasn't at that concert. No, but I've seen him do it. You know, he, he took that concert on tour. I saw him. Oh, okay. He performed it at, uh, I saw that at BYU. Oh. And, and then also there was another D23. It was a non, it wasn't during the D23 expo, but it was a D23 event in like 2012 or 2013, where he did the whole concert too, you know, kind of a very similar format where he's just, yeah. it's just him at the piano and, yeah. and, and with the screen, right. With a kind of like a PowerPoint. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah. It's honestly, those kinds of experiences is what tempts it me was, to go back to D23. It was heaven. I just, it, I loved it so much. The big hall, I always get tempted and I do go, but the, the thing that, that makes me want to go back are the like concerts. Right. Uh, when they had Little Mermaid These or Aladdin. Or, experiences that they put yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, do you think you're going to make it uh, Antic to um, D23? Uh, probably not. Um, I think, I think the last one was very just hectic. I mean, Mm. I liked it. I loved it a lot. It was fun going. It's just, it is, there was one, there there was just a lot more I wanted to do there and I couldn't do it. And there was just all these lines and waiting and I'm like, Oh geez. (laughs) There is no doubt about that. That is a, it is a, uh, convention of lines, (laughs) but, um, but all right. Well, what did, what would you say that you learned from watching the complete canon, something that you took away from it? I think what I mainly learned watching Disney's canon is that, again, there's a lot of diversity in these films. And I think another thing that I really took away is that you got, is that you have, a, when you have a great pot of artists together, you can really make something great. You just need to have the right leadership to take them there because that was, this is the biggest thing I mainly take away from, especially during the eras that were very weak is that a lot of the times when I look back on those movies during those eras where they were struggling, they really didn't have the best leadership I think they could have had. And it could have been either due to them not wanting to do much with it or the execs wanting to add random elements to the story that made no sense. It's very interesting when you go through the entire catalog and you can see what kind of creative freedom they did have, what they didn't have, when Walt Disney was involved, when he started to get a little bit less involved as Disneyland and the television shows started to take off. Yeah, Yeah. I, I agree. You can definitely see the different leaders, their imprint on the films you know there's the eisner era or bob Iger, or they all made their own stamp for better or worse Uh, but Mm -hmm. uh would you have a film that you would say you think is underrated in the canon uh yeah easy off the top of my head is uh winnie the pooh from 2011 i yeah I don't, I don't think a lot of people talk about it, especially when it comes to the revival films. Yeah. Uh, everyone talks about, you know, the big ones like, you know, Tangled and Frozen and Zootopia, Moana, most recently Encanto. And Winnie the Pooh was kind of lost in the shuffle between Tangled and Wreck-It Ralph. And also it 
came out the same weekend as Harry Potter and it's the Harry Deathly Potter. That was so frustrating to me. Yeah, yeah I, I feel you. It's that was such a really bad decision on Disney's part. You 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 put out this movie the same weekend as what was at the time the third biggest. Yeah. highest grossing movie ever it's like we don't believe in our movies so we're just gonna like throw it out there on the worst weekend of the year yeah, yeah. that was a mistake yeah. i i have no idea what made them think let's put the movie out the same weekend as deathly Hallows part two that was a dreadful mistake yeah it was crazy that's a good underrated one. We actually are doing our ranking of Disney Studios 2011 films. We're doing that on Monday, so it's fresh on my fresh on my mind. We're recording it on Monday, um, yeah, and it's a very, very sweet film. I really it's a enjoy cute it. film. It's a really yeah. cute film. Yeah, very very cute. Also very funny too. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah I mean, I have little nitpicks about some of the voice cast. That would be my only real thing but uh you know what are you gonna do you have to recast eventually yeah <laughs> it's been so long but uh and i'm sad that they decided to make it so short frankly yeah. i would, would have liked another 20 minutes yeah uh, i know? agree i agree yeah. i went i went through those deleted scenes that they had that they took out like there was a really fun one with rabbit's relatives that just arrive in this very interesting contraption and then they just eat up all the honey and then they just leave without talking to him it's very funny stuff i mean stanford do you have one that you think is underrated i don't know if we've heard that from you no i don't think we have either you know and that is it, such a good it's such a good question uh you know one of the the first one that comes to my mind is i really like bolt bolt's kind of a guilty pleasure and yeah. and not that i have a super high rank but uh I just remember thinking it was just really refreshing and fun. Of course, I'm always curious to know what that American dog film upon which, you know, it was Mm -hmm. uh, kind of created uh, out of, right, out of that canceled project, uh, what that would have been like. But uh, I I think Vault's funny. Also, as just kind of a a weird little side note, but I'm friends with, with, uh, my friend's brother is, used to be an animator at Disney and he actually is the voice of Rhino, the, uh, um, really? you know, oh, the, 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 the crazy little, uh, is he a guinea pig? I'm trying to, sorry, I'm trying it's to remember. Hamster, I think it's a hamster. Yeah. A hamster, 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 yeah. Hamster, sorry. Yeah. Duh. Um, yeah. You know, because they, they, he, he created the scratch, you know, he did the scratch, uh, recordings for it. And, Disney management liked it so much that they gave him the job. <laughs> yeah, Mark Walton. Yeah, Mark Walton. A... Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm friends with Mark's brother, and and uh, you know he's introduced me to him and whatnot. But uh, th- that is kind of fun for me, you know, just kind yeah. of a little personal, little yeah. personal. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Yeah, I like Bold. I think it's very sweet. I always go with make my music just because oh yeah i Mm. i think it's experimental Mm. and weird and funny and i i i really like most of the shorts quite a bit and uh, it's just willie and the whale is my forever favorite whale who wanted to sing at the mat the one that wanted to sing in the mat (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) and i don't know i just it feels like the sloppy seconds of the animators and i kind of i like it for that you know that it, it's like, well, what do you have hanging around that you haven't? Yeah, just, <laughs> let's, uh, yeah, let's take uh, 
Oh, we do have this little bit of deleted footage from Fantasia. Let's put yeah. a new song right. to it. <laughs> I like that. I really do. Um, another one that I would say I think is underrated is Frozen 2. I, I feel like a lot of people were very tough on it, uh, but I really, really enjoyed the music. And I liked the fact that they had two queens at the end of it. And uh, the journey of the sisters, I mean, it definitely has its flaws. I don't know why they introduced all these new characters and then did nothing with them. Uh, mm. But I think the whole idea of the their ancestors committing this crime that then they need to make right was kind of a bold, interesting way to go. And I don't know, that was beautiful. And I mean, Lost in the Woods made me die. I thought it was so funny. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So yeah, I think Frozen mm-hmm. 2 is better than giving credit for. I still like the first one best, but I don't know. Yeah, I like Frozen 2 as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Frozen 2 as well. I, I I mean, there's not a lot of Disney movies that I, you know, would go on to say that I would I don't care for. I know, exactly, <laughs> Antic. Yeah, I, I'm, one, I'm a lot more softer on a lot of these anime, a lot of the canon because they have 60 movies. And yeah. I, I'm like, actually, I don't think that one is too bad, you know. <laughs> I mean, there are ones that I look at, I'm like, yeah, I'm not a fan of that one either. But, there, but a lot of the other ones that are in there, I'm like, it's not that bad it's not that bad well let's talk about each era we have the golden era and that's snow white through bambi mm-hmm. and what sticks out to you in this era for you your your favorites maybe one you don't like as much um as far as my personal favorite goes i would probably go with pinocchio um, mm-hmm. i love fantasia i think fantasia is such a beautiful artistic film but and i do think it really pushes the medium of animation further i i recently watched a documentary on how they did a lot of the effects animation and it's very very fascinating and but for me i think pinocchio was the one where they really really got a grip on how to make a fantastic film i feel like with snow white they really started to get a hold of it like okay i think we know what we're doing and then pinocchio the, like they had it firmly grasped and how I do you feel what... how do you feel about the fact we're getting three pinocchio movies this year oh geez um <laughs> no, yeah uh i'm very excited for Guillermo del toro's i am not gonna see the remake from disney from robert zemeckis because i am so tired of these live action disney remakes and uh as for the Polly shore one i'm i'm honestly just tempted to watch it just to see what it's like because the voice acting he has in it is so bad i just remember watching it i'm like wait is that actually his voice that that can't be the take that they used ow <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, but yeah uh, I'd probably say Pinocchio is my favorite from this era. As far as my least favorites go, um, it really pains me to say this, even though I, I I love all five movies from this era. But I probably go with I probably go with Dumbo mainly because I feel like it's a movie that was made to quickly make money because Pinocchio and Fantasia lost a lot of it. Bambi, because, yeah, yeah, and and then and then Bambi afterwards, but. Yeah, it's like like I said, I don't think any of these movies are bad. I think they're all great. I think the I just think the weakest one of the bunch is probably Dumbo for me. 
What do you think about Dumbo Stanford? You know, um, I've got Dumbo in my top 20. Uh, I, I think Dumbo is, is, is just kind of a perfect little movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that, that uh, well, there's some cultural sensitivity stuff that we had a really, I thought, a wonderful conversation about that, Rachel, when we recorded. Yeah, with Eli. You know, with, with, with our friend Eli. And, uh, but still, I, I just feel like Dumbo hits all the right emotional notes. And Pinky Elephants on Parade is like the weirdest thing ever, but I, but I like it. <laughs> you know, I think it's a really fun kind of way to, you know, to bridge that, that with, a, with a storyline. Anyway, I, I, it still is a little short, but for, for some reason, I don't feel cheated with Dumbo being short. Like I felt cheated with Winnie the Pooh, the 2011 Winnie the Pooh being a little short. Uh, just because I think, the, you know, Dumbo just kind of comes to a perfect conclusion uh, yeah. for me. Yeah. yeah, I have it at 13, so pretty high. Yeah, I do too, I Rachel. Really... That's, yeah, same, 13. I think that Dumbo is such a cute character. I can't think of really many characters in the whole canon that are as just adorable as Dumbo is. True. And I mean, yeah. when the, when she sings, to, when Mrs. Jumbo sings oh to the God. baby Dumbo, oh, baby so mine. Baby oh. mine. Oh. Ball baby fest. <laughs> and I really love the message of friendship between Timothy Q. Mouse and Dumbo because they, you know, they have the, the, elephants are scared of mice and i we meant i mentioned in the episode that uh that the mythbusters tested that out when they were in africa in one episode and sure enough <laughs> the elephants they were are really afraid of mice it's amazing you gotta look it up but uh but so their friendship defying those social conventions and norms and being friends anyway i think is really sweet so it's a very sweet movie. I really love it. I, I also just really love the watercolor look to yeah. it. It's very bright and vibrant, especially compared to Fantasia. And you mentioned how cute the character of Dumbo is. And I, what, that's one thing I really like about this character design is that it was done by Bill Titla. And his previous few characters were very larger than life, very muscular characters. He, he did Grumpy and Stromboli and probably his defining element at Disney, Chernabog from Fantasia. And then he wants to do something a little smaller in scale. He doesn't want to be typecast doing these big things. So he has to do Dumbo and it's this total 180 and it just shows his brilliance as an animator because he can do such a cute character as Dumbo and still make it as amazing as it is. Well, let's talk about the wartime era, the package era. We have Saludos Amigos through the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. And what to you are the highlights and lowlights of this era? Uh, I'd say Ichabod and Mr. Toad um, is my favorite of this era. I think the two stories mesh well together. And I really like the characters in both. I think they're very fun adaptations of The Wind in the Willows and The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. As far as my least favorite era as film from this era goes, I would probably say fun and fancy free so literally amigos is a close second because it's way too short it's only 42 minutes and i feel they don't get a lot done with the south american representation like three caballeros did and fun and fancy fancy free to me just feels very much like a product of its time that didn't age well i don't think 
I think the bongo and the Mickey and the Beanstalk statements are both very good, but I don't think they work very well together. And I feel like the the way they they're put together and also just the narration with both don't hold up very well. I when the first time I saw the Mickey and the Beanstalk something, it was actually narrated by Ludwig von Drake. And I think that's and and I think his narration yeah. for the segment is has held up a lot better than the one by Edgar Bergen and Charlie well, McCarthy. Yeah, a lot of those shorts were in the sing-along video cassettes that they did for so long. The with with them von von Drake. Like I know, I know Peter and the Wolf was for sure. I remember seeing yeah. that one. Yeah, I remember the Peter and the Wolf uh, VHS mm-hmm. being in an elementary school, and I remember seeing these title cards for it. And then when I saw the movie, I I was like, "Where are those title cards?" And I realized that they, you know, released it separately, and they gave them title cards with this elaborate fanfare leading up to it. it it's very mm-hmm. interesting when you look back on this era because this is definitely the era I don't find myself returning to the most because. These films to me are not as ambitious as they seem. And I don't blame the studio for making these when they did. Obviously they had lost a lot of money from Pinocchio, Fantasia and Bambi. And obviously they were at war so they needed to do something smaller in scale. It's just these films don't have a lot to them that make me draw, come back to them. I love a lot of these shorts and segments and I will watch them from time to time. But as far as watching the whole films from front to finish, I, I don't see myself, you know, revisiting all of these movies again from start to finish. I only want to, you know, visit the revisit the segments again. Yeah, there- there's there's some of these films where it's like, I've watched those three times because I've done I've done three canon watches. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, I did that. But I do think, as far as individual segments, I love Johnny Appleseed in Melody Time. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. I, so yeah. I love the, love the yeah. animation i love the music the lord is good to me and so i think the lord i think that one's really good <laughs> i don't know what what do you about you samber what's a individual short maybe that stands out for you in these you know i quite like pecos bill too mm-hmm. <laughs> I, think <Yeah>. was, <laughs> I think that was just a kick you know it's just uh it's a lot of fun um I also, you know, and I, I, you know, Rachel, I've talked about this too. Uh, I, I saw a presentation about Saludos Amigos at the very first D23 Expo in 2009. And I just, I like learned to appreciate it. And I really quite like it, even though it was, it, I, I don't disagree with what you're, you know, the things that you both have said about it. Because <laughs> uh, it is it's short and there's lots of weird stuff, but uh I think that that uh, it, it's fun. I, I I like Donald Duck and at Lake Titicaca, you know. I like Goofy being a gaucho. Um, so anyway, call me yeah. crazy, but but uh, <laughs> those were fun. After I had some more context, you know, and learned more about Disney's trip to South America and 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 uh, you know and whatnot. Well, it is fun in those clips to see. Oh, it's Mary Blair, and that's you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of those live action things, and you uh-huh. actually see the artists at work, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the silver era. And what's some of your uh, favorites of the silver era? Um, yeah, there's a lot of yeah. well, the silver era is filled with a lot of my personal favorites. Mm-hmm. 101 Dalmatians is my personal favorite. I just love the look of the film. I think it has the perfect story. The characters are all very memorable. It, it just feels like a perfect Disney movie. 
Um, I really also love Cinderella and Alice in Wonderland and Sleeping Beauty a lot too. I think those are all great movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my least favorite of this bunch though, like just the one that I don't think is a strong, I'd probably go with The Sword and the Stone. I Because when we look back on this era, like all of the films from this era are in the Disney vault except for Sword and the Stone. And Sword and the Stone to me is not a bad movie. I don't hate it at all. But compared to the other movies, it definitely doesn't, it definitely feels very, it definitely just has a different feeling to them that I don't get from the other Disney movies like like Cinderella or Lady and the Tramp or Jungle Book. Like when I watch those movies, it gives me that same feeling that I get, you know, for um for, for this era sword in the stone just feels like a very it, it, it just def, it feels like a black sheep and it's not a bad movie it's just it's def, it's just the lesser one out of a bunch a bunch of great movies you have well i find it frustrating to watch because i don't feel like the lessons are really helpful at all for him becoming king and being able to pull the sword out of the stone he doesn't mm-hmm. really seem to learn much from them and most of the time it's other characters that are solving the problem, you know, like yeah. and the uh, like with the squirrel and the um, and when he gets rescued by Archimedes from the under the water, like it's not, yeah. uh, it's not. There's nothing in it that makes me think, okay, now he's ready to pull the sword from the stone. So that's yeah. frustrating. Plus, I think the movie kind of looks terrible it's it's one of the worst maybe terrible is too strong but it's one of the worst examples of the sketch era in my opinion it looks dirty it looks just messy i don't think it it looks very good yeah i feel like yeah i definitely understand your point the when i feel like when they were really experimenting with the xerox of 101 dalmatians because i i adore the look of that movie it's so beautiful i agree yeah yeah for a modern film at the time it still feels very timeless it's just such a sleek looking movie and then I feel like after that movie, because Walt Disney hated the art style of 101 Dalmatians, they had a backpedal and they were like, okay, we need to go back to that fantasy-like thing with Sword in the Stone, but we now have this Xerox technology. What do we do with it, with these characters? So it definitely has this very odd contrast that might not work for some people. People, I don't mind it too much, I don't, but I do see your point. I do think it is definitely one of the lesser films looking movies of the Xerox era, but yeah, it, it, it definitely does feel like a bit of a downgrade after 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, I I agree. I have Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, and 101 Dalmatians in my top 10 for this era. So a lot yeah. of representation. And uh, where, what do you, where do you have Sleeping Beauty, Stanford? I have it at number seven. Yeah, same with me. So I have five of the Silver films in my top 10. I love Jungle Book, Cinderella, Peter Pan, Sleeping Beauty, Hunter One Dalmatians. Yeah. 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 I just, I, I love them so much. And I totally agree with you on Sword of the Stone. That's the one that I have at the lowest. I just, I just have never, I've never really connected with that film. I like, I like the character design. I think Merlin is just great. It you know, looks great. And, and I love mm-hmm. the concept of it. That's that Higgitus Figitus scene is fun, I think. And I think that, that Wizards duel is, I always, that was, I think, one of my favorite scenes as a kid. Uh, but I'm with Rachel. It's like, none of this has anything to do with Teen Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not familiar with the source material. In fact, I I bought, I, I own a copy now of, of the Once and Future King upon which the Sword and the Stone, you know, is based. And I just, 
one of these months I'm going to finish reading it. So I can, just because I've, I just, I've always been so curious, like, where did the Disney animation team, you know, get this stuff, you know, how, how did they pull this story together or not? You know, I don't know. It just it doesn't work very well. Very it always seemed like such a shame to me that this is the version of the whole Arthur oh, Camelot Arthur, yeah, story exactly. from Disney that we got. Like, I would love to see, instead of them doing Hunchback of Notre Dame, I would have loved for them to do... To revisit this. King yeah. Arthur. That yeah. would have been amazing. Yeah. It's definitely an... It's definitely an odd one because, especially in terms of the story, like I don't understand how Bill Peets wanted to make it more comedic. I think it's because he was getting a lot more into writing his own stories at the time because he was starting to become a children's book author. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then after, and then after he left Disney, when they had an argument over Jungle Book, he became a full-time children's book author. I, I think he wanted to add a little bit more comedic value to it rather than with 101 Dalmatians, which he also did the story for. He wanted to be a lot more faithful to Tony Smith's book in that film or in this film, he wanted to be a little more loose and have his own ideas. Yeah, I, I, but I'm very uncertain why he wanted to make it a lot more comedic. I even read his autobiography and he didn't really talk about the movie. He didn't talk about it, interesting, yeah. Yeah, he yeah he mainly just talked about you know making Merlin a little bit based on Walt himself, which I did find interesting. And looking back, I can definitely see where that you came can see from. How that yeah, definitely. That would be an interesting book. I'll have to check that out. Uh, so let's move on to this to the Bronze Era. We have in this era the uh, the Aristocats through to the Oliver Company, and. Stanford, what is one that stands out to you in this era? Yeah, so um, uh, the Bronze Era, probably the one that like I, I love. You know how much I love the wrestlers, love, love, love. I think it's one of the few films that Rachel and I really disagree on. <laughs> I actually do agree with you on really like first rescuers. I don't mind it at all. Um, but I think that. Uh, Robin Hood has kind of a special place for me too because uh, I think the character designs are so fun. I have some real issues with the story. Uh, I mean, not so much that they deviate from the story. I just wish that the story had been uh, a little more cohesive, I guess. Uh, but I love the, I love the character designs, and it's such a sentimental favorite, yeah. you know. Uh, so I think Robin Hood's awfully fun. Yeah, yeah, Robin Hood is probably my father's favorite Disney movie. That or the Jungle Book. He loves both of those. And so we would watch them quite frequently. And they have a pretty high degree of nostalgia. I think my dad's favorites are, are Jungle Book, Robin Hood, and uh, The Great Mouse Detective. And oh, he okay. loves those three. So this era is good for him. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's really charming. I love the music, the, the folk kind of nature of the music. Uh, but I do think it's a little bit weird when it takes that strange turn in the third act where it's like all this, it's been this like madcap, people throwing pies, like I mean, who's driving this flying umbrella, you know? Yeah. Kind of thing. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, and they finish the Prince John uh, song and 
then it's like we're all in prison and it's like so sad and morose like every time (laughs) yeah it's like real yeah and and really major sadness and you know like real peril yeah jarring yeah yeah robin hood is a lot of fun but it is very totally inconsistent yeah okay now it's very goofy now it's very sad like what exactly is this film going for you know well right and then you know don't get me wrong because i think it's charming but like mm-hmm. the badminton scene with maid marion and the little kids like what does that have to do with anything you know <laughs> that is just cute you the know whole, yeah that's true but, the whole little kids what does it have to do with anything? Yeah. <laughs> they're adorable but anyway yeah, they're very adorable, but yeah, what like what do you do with them? I guess. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Even with the deleted scene, I remember as a kid there was an alternate ending after you know the burning castle, and there's a scene where Robin Hood gets shot by an arrow. He's brought to, uh, he's brought into the cathedral, and then Prince John shows up, and he's ready to like stab him and Maid Marian to death, and then King Richard just happens to show up and put a stop to this. And it, it always just struck me as so odd because I'm just thinking, man, this film just really is all over the place. And even yeah. if they had that deleted scene, it really would just illustrated that they really like, didn't what? have an idea of what tone they were going for. Yeah. But yeah. Robin Hood is a lot of fun. It's my favorite one from the era. I'd probably say Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. I love the Great Mouse Detective a lot too. Um, I Yeah, I like both those. Yeah. Um, yeah. Least favorite is easily the Black Cauldron. I yeah. that movie. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's. I have that at number sixty. Oh, you know, that it's definitely very low. It's in my yeah. bottom five. It's, yeah. Uh, I do not like that movie at all. I, I remember the first time I saw it with one of my best friends, and we were just like so just <laughs> put off by it. Like we need to watch a good movie, and we literally watched. The great mouse detective right after right after you like, need <laughs> to cleanse your palate you know you're yeah. watching it was palate. just like a major tonal <laughs> shift and not just with you know the the tone itself like great mouse detective is so joyous and upbeat black cauldron is just so depressing and ugly and grimy yeah and even then it's just the characters in that movie are way better it looks way better i really do not like the look of the black cauldron it is very ugly to me and it's very it doesn't feel very clean i think some parts with the um i forget the uh what's the the villain's name oh the horn king the The horn Horn king King. with the layers in the way that the they're almost uh see-through the Mm -hmm. and they just kind of layered on top of each other i think there are some cool moments and they spent so long on those backdrops for goodness sakes Uh, there's some i mean the amount of time they spent on making like a brick wall look you know mossed over and covered and it's just like oh it's such a waste it makes you sad but uh, you can feel that you can feel the effort and it's just so sad that it's sad yeah the the movie's just a sad film Mm because from what i read about it 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 just felt like a train that was desperately gonna crash it was yeah work like the source material was just wrong for the studio it was that it was badly being misdirected even the cast was being shifted around i saw i saw a documentary and Haley mills was gonna play i on and for some reason they got rid of her i don't know why it's it's such a it's just such a misguided I mean, film it was just it was never gonna work Haley mills would have been like 
old by then. I mean, she'd been in like her forties, right? Yeah, and they yeah. they wanted her to play Island Wee, and they were like, actually, never mind. Let's not get Haley Mills. It, it's so weird. That's funny. That is so interesting, isn't it? And you know, I I I appreciate what you're saying about it. I really I, I want to see the pre Katzenberg cut. Rachel, no. and I have thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, that's one of those things you just hope it's, it's somewhere in the vaults. You know, <laughs> one of my friends is always like, "Don't you want to see that original cut of the Black Cauldron?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it would be interesting. I still don't think it would have been good." But no, it would not have been good. But I, but I still would love to have seen that. You know, because yeah, maybe it was even worse. But yeah, still. it would have been a lot darker. I don't see how it could be worse. That's true. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it probably would. I think it would have been a little more uglier. I know there was a scene where mm. you know when the cauldron reborns, like one of the soldiers, his skin just melts off his body, and he just is just left a skeleton. I saw those images of the cells, and they're just repulsive. And like, yeah. oh, it looks so gross. I can't gross. imagine what it would look like in motion. Ugh. Yeah, you yeah. know, and, and I, I just with you. I guess one final comment on that is I just have felt so sad that. They, they, they really were trying to do something different, but it was really yeah. misguided. Um, yeah, was, I have it at 55, so very okay. bottom. <laughs> yeah, that, definitely in my bottom five. I think it is my 55 pick too. It's mm-hmm. not good. Well, I And then I, I have Many Adventures in Winnie the Pooh at 14 and Great Mouse Detective at 15. So right uh, next to each other, very high. And I think the part of the reason why i love great mouse detective was because my again my father he loves sherlock holmes and detective stories and we used to watch uh, he loved probably my dad's favorite television program of all time is probably the jeremy brett uh i don't know if you ever saw the stanford the granada jeremy brett adventures of sherlock holmes but they were on pbs my dad loved them and uh, we would watch them all the time. And so then this was kind of like our gateway to Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but one funny thing about it, and I probably mentioned this many times on the podcast, but when I watched it for the first time doing my Canon watch, I was like, what is this burlesque song? Like what is happening? I don't even remember this song. And I've watched this movie many times. And I, I, I asked my, I talked to my mom about it and she's like, oh yeah, we always fast forward. (laughs) 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 That's great. People complaining about like content hurting their kids or whatever. It's called parenting folks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fast forward button. (laughs) That's great. All right. Well, let's talk about the Renaissance era. We have the Little Mermaid through to Tarzan. And obviously this is an extremely well-respected and beloved time for Disney animation. Uh, you know, I love Little Mermaid. I love Beauty and the Beast. I really love Mulan. I mean, there's so many in this era. Uh, Lion King. Uh, what about you, Antic? What's some of your favorites? Yeah, um, my number one film from Disney Animation as a whole, just just the best film they've ever made is easily Beauty and the Beast. It's yeah. my second favorite animated movie of all time. It's just, it's such a perfect film. It has all the right pieces to it. You have the best animators. 
yeah the best songwriters and you just and they you have one of the best fairy tales ever written and you just put it together and it just results in such a grand spectacle of a film i love it so much it's even when I saw it as a kid, that was one of like the last like Disney vault films I had to see. And I just remember thinking, yeah, this is as good as you, as you hear about it. And it definitely deserved the best picture nominee uh, that year at the Oscars. I, I, I adore that movie so much. It's so great. And yeah, like you said, uh, there's a lot of other movies. I really love Little Mermaid too. That was, that was one I watched a lot as a kid. Um, the Lion King, that was one I was lucky enough to experience for the first time in theaters. I actually was 11 when that came out and when they were re-releasing films in 3D. And that was my first time I saw that movie. And Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. That was that was such an amazing experience. I think that's why, that's one reason why I love that movie a lot is because I was able to actually get that introduction on the big screen like so many 90s kids. So yeah, I really love that. Um, but yeah, there's just, yeah, the Renaissance just has so many great movies that I, I love. If I had to pick my least favorite, I'd probably go with the easy pick and that's Pocahontas. I don't hate any of the movies from the era. I don't dislike any of them. I, again, I'm a lot more forgiving to Disney's movies than most people are, but yeah, this is just a great era because you really just see them striving to want to make great art, especially after Black Cauldron got them kicked off the lot and they're in this rundown building in Glendale, kind of similar to the rundown building where Disney made Snow White and Pinocchio, and they're just putting out such grand artistic achievements, just wanting to prove that, yes, we can do this. FanX, I was at a panel for Jodi Benson, and she said that when they were making The Little Mermaid, they were like boxing up the studio. They were closing down. This was the last hurrah. This was the Hail Mary uh, and they didn't even know if it would do very well. And, and then it, you know, it went, it did way better than you could even imagine. But she said like, literally they were boxing up the studio. Yeah. That was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And I'm not crazy. I remember watching Waking Sleeping Beauty and Don Hahn just talks about, well, wow. everybody thought that Disney animation's ending. So we decided to celebrate it by recreating Apocalypse Now. <laughs> <laughs> But I have four in my top 10 from this era. I have Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Mulan, and The Lion King in my top 10. Well, what about you, Stanford? What do you think? So, of course, Beauty and the Beast is my number one, too. It's just all my all-time favorite. Yeah, all three of us have this. Uh, <laughs> I, I am also quite partial to Aladdin. Uh, Aladdin's in my top 10, and I... I'd never tire of that movie. I could just watch it over and over again. I think it's so funny, uh, but so charming and, and romantic and exciting and fun. It's just, uh, it's, it's the whole thing. And uh, so love, uh, love, love, love Aladdin. My worst one is uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, mm-hmm. That one, I, I, am, I admire the ambition and I admire the artistry, but uh, I've never, I never thought that that story I guess kind of like the black cauldron frankly that was one that was well suited for the for for as a disney animated uh feature and also it is so uneven i mean i'm a broken record every time we talk about this it's just saying the same <laughs> thing but when when those gargoyles show up i just want, like, want to poke my eyes out it's so horrible and and uh um the 
that that they try to make it both kind of zany and funny yet incredibly serious and incredibly tragic i don't know it just is totally it's just never worked for me yeah where do you have hunchback ranked I I actually really like Hunchback. I re- recently rewatched it with a friend because yeah. I I always kept thinking to myself, isn't that totally inconsistent? And then I rewatched it again. I was like, eh, it didn't bother me. Like, yeah, how did it go for it? Yeah, it didn't bother you that much. Maybe no, I have to it really do it again, Antic, because okay. I have to, maybe I have to force myself to rewatch it. <laughs> yeah, I really when I rewatched it, I'm like, no, this is actually pretty great. I'm actually really liking this stuff. Like the dark stuff didn't bother me as much as it did in the black cauldron because i actually liked watching these characters and i do think that the darkness of the film it it worked for me for some reason mainly because alan menken's score is very oh there's also the animation gorgeous yeah that's why i've seen it twice on the stage and i really enjoyed it i think that they definitely improved you can see that they took the feedback and made it a lot better with the stage version. But uh, yeah, it's definitely one of those divisive ones uh, that uh, I, I don't love it, but I can see why people do. Uh, yeah, all right, l- let's talk about the post-Renaissance. We have Fantasia 2000 through Bolt. And this one, I have my uh, 57, 58, 59, and 60. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. The re- yeah, the yeah. rest of the the rest of my bottom five are films from that era. Yeah, yeah. same here. Is, <laughs> I have yeah, Brother Bear at fifty seven. I have Chicken Little at fifty eight. Dinosaur at fifty nine, and Home on the Range at sixty. Oof! <laughs> Such bad movies. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. bad movies. I'm basically the same. You know, those are all my bottom five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you on yeah, I'm with you on them. I, I I don't mind I don't I don't really like Brother Bear that much. I think it's kind of an okay film. I I love parts of it and I hate parts of it. It's not a movie where I think all together this is a bad movie. It's just I'm I'm just like they tried. It just doesn't work with me. The others though, I I completely agree with. I I hate Dinosaur. I hate Home on the Range, and I really hate Chicken Little. I think those are awful films. They're just bad. Uh, Chicken Little is my least favorite of the bunch because Dinosaur is pretty boring and it doesn't it doesn't look very good and the characters are all annoying and Home on the Range is also not very good because it's very upbeat and a little it's too upbeat for me and the songs aren't very memorable and it's kind of obnoxious. But Chicken Little, the reason why it doesn't work for me is just because the story is just a mess it's yeah. it feels like it was thrown together it, when i watch it i when i watched it again when i wrote my review of it i just kept thinking to myself this absolutely feels like a film that was torn apart by executives because i feel so bad for mark dendel and he clearly embarrassed by the movie from what i've read and he actually left disney animation because of disney's president at the time david staten and i do not blame him one bit because oh, yeah yeah the movie was just hacked apart like I read about what his vision for the film would have been. And I saw the deleted scenes where he, where Chicken Little was a girl and she, she was going to be voiced by Holly Hunter before she did The Incredibles. And it, it seemed very sincere because he was trying to tell this very 
sincere father-daughter story because he had a couple of daughters and then Michael Eisner forced him to change it into a boy because he thought boys would be easier targets for bullying, which made no sense. And then David Staten was like, let's throw in aliens to the mix. People like aliens. And that's when it just completely came apart because there's like two sides to the movie and they don't mesh very well. You got a baseball half and you get the alien half and they don't click. You'd think like the baseball stuff would come back to help the character in the end, but it doesn't. It doesn't at all. Yeah. And you're like wondering what was the point of that to begin with? It's just, it's such a messy movie. Yeah. With, and with Brother Bear, I mean, I just think Coda is the most annoying character. (laughs) He's annoying. And the whole big reveal is so obvious. And just when it comes, you're just like, and they have this big dramatic music. And I have to tell you how I'm feeling. Oh, I just, it's terrible. I hate it. And and Kenai is uh, such an just insufferable character that you just, I don't know. It's just miserable. I, when I wrote my first review, I was so irritated with the character. They started keeping track of when we would finally get to see him smile. And according to my first watch, it takes an hour and two minutes for Kenai to smile. He's complaining, complaining about the amulet that he gets, the totem complaining about everything. (laughs) It just, yeah, Brother Bear is a very strange one for me because I, I saw it for the first time in high school and uh-huh. and I was like, this isn't great, but it's not awful. And I, I do get what you're saying. I don't think Hina is the best protect character. I think Danahi, the, the brother chasing him down, was the most interesting character yeah. in the film. And I think yeah, he was an interesting character. Yeah. Yeah, I, would, I think what they should have done was have more of a dynamic between him trying to chase after this bear and less focus on, you know, Kenai. But I, I get why they took the approach, but I, I do agree with you, Rachel. I do think there are parts that are very annoying. Like Coda is such an annoying character. From what I read, Disney went through rejected tapes from Pixar for for kids that were trying to go for Nemo. And that was the one they picked out. And I, I, I just keep thinking, why did they pick out him out of all the kids they auditioned? It's just, wow. it's very strange. And yeah, there's just a lot of annoying parts to it. I I think like and the and a lot of the comedy doesn't work. Like the comedy between the two moose is not very good. I I I think one of the stupidest jokes is with the mountain goats and they're just shouting at echoes. It's just like aren't they just saying shut up a lot? Yeah, like they're saying shut up to an echo. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's not very funny, you know. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't like that if I was a parent having, you know, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. All right. So. Just- so one thing I've asked everybody who's come on this podcast is, do you think that we are now in a post-revival? We had the revival era. Do you think we're in a post-revival era? And if we are, where would you start it? Because Stamper and I have kind of different views. For me, I would start it with Ralph Breaks the Internet because I feel like that's sort of the first post-Lassiter kind of new leadership uh, film and then going forward. Uh, but uh, but what do you think? Do you see that or? Uh... Um. Yeah, that's very. That's a very interesting question. I'm not entirely sure myself. Um. Because I, again, I, I mean, his influence on those movies was very apparent, especially for Ralph Breaks the Internet and Frozen Two, and obviously Disney 
had to you know get rid of them for obvious reasons but yeah i i feel like a new i i'm even torn between that myself because when i look back on those movies i'm still very unsure whether or not we're in a new era maybe not for maybe not for ralph breaks the internet or frozen 2 you could probably i think you'd probably argue that ralph riot and the last dragon or Encanto are part of the new era i i wouldn't say they are right now because raya and Encanto still kind of felt revival-esque to me they didn't feel too different like they weren't as much of a shift like tarzan to um atlantis or like that that kind of shift was very apparent like i could tell that we were in a new era or even with pixar right now i mean i i think starting with onward i definitely think we are in a new era for pixar because i'm seeing a lot more newer voices the stories are a lot more different the animation is getting a little bit more unique i i feel like with pixar i would say yes we're absolutely in a new era for that for disney animation i'm still i'm still not very sure i guess we'll have to see when strange world comes out in november that's the one i'm very interested in seeing if it's going to be me too that that's the one i'm looking for that's the one i'm like okay this to me is going to be whether or not we're going to see if disney animation is in a new era because raya and encanto very much felt like revival films to me they didn't feel all that much removed from films like moana or frozen or tangled strange world to me is the film that probably will depend whether or not we're going to be in a new viewing i'm very excited to see it i'm curious to see what they're going to do with that story yeah me too Definitely. Yeah, same. All right. Well, what some what's your favorite and least favorite of this era? Uh, my favorite is Zootopia. Um, I think for those that know me, that was the film that basically got me into wanting to talk about animation. I remember seeing that in a theater in Santa Monica. My family was in LA for vacation and we decided to watch it. And my family were like, eh, I didn't think too much of it. And I was the only one like, oh, wow. The animated films could actually be a lot more than what I initially expected them to be. And that was what got me into, you know, go down this rabbit hole and learn more about it. And I think it's because it's just, such a great story it has amazing characters the world just feels very fleshed out and developed i love how the themes of prejudice and class are handled in that movie i think it's very mature on disney's part and i really love what they did with it i i I just think it's just a very amazingly well-developed film and i just i just love it and i'm I, and I obviously want more of it. I'm excited to see the Disney Plus series when it eventually comes out. Uh, yeah, I just really, really love Zootopia. I know you guys mentioned on an earlier podcast that Tangled's your favorite. I also have Tangled very high in this era. I, I adore Tangled too. That's a that's a great one. Um, I actually have a lot pretty high on this in this era. I have Tangled at three. I have Moana at eleven. I have Frozen at twelve. Uh, Zootopia twenty three. Frozen 2, 22, and Kanto at 18. So there, I mean, almost every film, except for Wreck-It Ralph and Winnie the Pooh, although I still enjoy, you know, I get something. And Princess and the Frog, those are my three low ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most of my, in this, most of the films in this era, I have in my top 30. But, uh, but yeah, what do you think of Zootopia, Stanford? Oh my gosh, I love it. I think it's so fantastic. It's in my top 20. Uh, I just just echoing what Antic said. I uh, I think that the way 
the, just the incredibly clever and poignant way they handled uh, this plot, or the, you know, the plot. Uh, I just, it was amazing. I, I, and, and also it's a bit subversive, but, but I thought they, it, it worked. Like when they're, you know, doing a parody of, of Breaking Bad. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> what Disney film can get away with that? But they did, and I loved it. You know, I just thought it, I thought it really worked. Tangled, I, of course, I have a little higher, but, but I think Zootopia is one of my favorites. I, I also, I really love Big Hero 6 um, and Frozen. You know, mm-hmm. it just goes on, uh, uh, on and on, and Moana and Encanto. Um, yeah, so I think these are good films. I, as Rachel, as we've talked before, I, my theory, and again, you know, what do I know? But uh, I, I am calling Raya and uh, Encanto the Jennifer Lee era, the start of the Jennifer Lee era. And we'll just see how, how it goes. Over time, and I think Strange World. I mean, just with with you both, Strange World is going to be the movie where we really see um, how how this you know how this goes down, how what they're going to do with this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm very excited to see what she does. I think she's been a very great leader. I was, I remember when they announced it back in June 2018. I was a little skeptical because obviously she didn't have as much experience in animation as Pete Doctor did when he took over Pixar. She had just Joined Disney Animation like less than ten years. Right. Put in as and as a writer. Yeah, and yeah, she was a writing. She was a writer. She started off as a writer. She didn't really have this experience with animation. She was just brought over because they had trouble with Wreck It Ralph, and eventually her, and then eventually she leaped from Wreck It Ralph onto Frozen, and then got boosted up to director for that movie. So I remember when they announced it, I'm like, I don't know, because she, she, again, she had a lot more experience as a writer. She didn't know that much about animation. She didn't work at the company as long as Pete Doctor. I was very, very skeptical. But I, I think when I finally saw Raya this year, it um, last year, it really put my worries to rest. I was like, okay, they're, they're, they're doing fine. They're yeah, actually same. And then, and then, and, and I think Encanto was the one that really helped cement it for me that they'll be on a good track because I remember when I saw that movie back in November and I, I just remember really, really loving it. And there was all, and I remember seeing the people who had seen it at the time, really loving it. And I just remember around December, there was worried that it would be a flop. I was thinking to myself, man, why are people seeing this movie? It's very great. And then here we are in March and it's probably still one of the biggest animated movies out right now. I mean, it was the animated movie that was talked about for three yeah. months created. It's yeah. yeah, it's 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 such a great movie. I really love it. I love Byron Howard's work. He he's such a good director. He's so good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking about your ranking with us. This was a blast. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Auntie. This has just been delightful. Really appreciate your wonderful insights and all your knowledge. Thank you. So, where can people find you and your reviews and your Twitter and everything? Yeah. Uh, for those that are wondering how to find me, I, I am on Twitter under the name Animated Antic. I also have a website where I post my movie reviews every Tuesday. And I also have a letterbox account too, so you can view every animated movie I have watched and, and uh, rated. Um, obviously, I reveal my ratings when I post my review on Tuesday. But you, you, you should be able to tell which ones I like and which ones I didn't really care for because I usually have a heart symbol next to them. So 
yeah, that's how you can find me and my uh, thoughts on these numerous animated movies. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me on here. It was it was great talking about these movies. I always love talking about the films from Walt Disney Animation Studios. Yeah, thank you. It was so much fun. And Stanford, how can people find you? On Twitter, I'm at Stanford Clark. I have a movie podcast and blog, which is at moviespastandpresent.com. And follow me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at moviespap, as in past and present. Great. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. And you can follow us at Disney Talking on Twitter. So check that out and uh, let us know what you think of all the different things we talked about in the comment section or on Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you're listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews, five stars. That helps us so much. And if you are listening on YouTube, please, please give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. We appreciate that so much. We also have our Patreon group and merch store where you can get hashtag animation junkie shirts. Take a look at that. And thanks so much. And we'll talk to y'all later. Bye, everyone. <laughs>